Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Hello, welcome to Premier League Daily. Can you believe it? The second weekend of Premier League action already. And would you believe this? VAR is the biggest talking point (laughs) of the weekend yet again. Manchester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur 2. Two teams expected to be competing at the top end of the table this season. The game didn't disappoint, but VAR certainly did in the opinion of some supporters. Also, what is going on at Newcastle United? We knew it might be bad when Rafa Benitez left, but to lose 3-1 to Premier League new boys Norwich City, we'll be talking about that. And also, we'll be asking which club has got the worst celebrity supporters after we saw a tweet from Jeremy Clarkson claiming that he's been a Chelsea fan since 1970. I didn't know that. Did anyone know that? This is Premier League Daily. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show. Seven days a week, all the best opinion, news and analysis on the Premier League, the greatest league in the world. My name's Niall McCorn. Alongside me in the studio today, making his Premier League Daily debut, got Johnny Sharples. How are you Hello. doing? I'm fine after Newcastle's awful um, existence. <laughs> Not just results, <laughs> just existence. yeah, just general Scarred existence. Completely yeah. ruin the football club even being in existence. I, I like it. that you exist though, because you remind me what it was like to be a City fan in the nineties. So it's nice that there is always that <laughs> kind of leveller. City you know, remind there. me what it was like to be a Newcastle fan in the nineties. Uh, and the other voice you can hear, is Stephen McInerney. Welcome back to Premier League Daily. This Steve. is my first time on the show, actually. But it's kind, kind of, of like yeah, a, semi a, in a way. You know, it's like you going, know it's like post takeover kind of experience. <laughs> first post, yeah. But anyway, it's good to be back. Yeah, it is. It's good to have you back. So thanks Thank for listening, everyone. Don't forget you can get involved on Twitter at The Sports Social. Let us know if you want us to talk about anything in future shows. This will be a big review of all the weekend's big talking points. And you'll see, well, I've already showed Stephen McInerney, who is a Manchester City fan, who I'm sure has got plenty on his chest <laughs> in terms of the VAR decision uh, against his side in that 2-2, ultimately 2-2 draw against Spurs. And... Uh, he asked me when I came to the studio why I have this lovely red two-door cinema club alarm clock. It's a decent question. It is a decent question because nobody knew two-door <laughs> cinema club make alarm clocks. So <laughs> not trying to push their merchandise by any means yeah. here. Check but, out the link in the description yeah, for yeah. all your two-door cinema club merchandise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the kind folks at two-door cinema club gave us this alarm clock. I've been thinking of a way to use it for ages. So I was thinking, why not give Stephen McInerney three minutes of... Just completely teeing off on VAR <sighs> and why you hate it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wind this clock up. I'm gonna put 50p in the Stephen, <laughs> and, uh, and and away you go, mate. What you got to say? Two two VAR handball. What's going on? Two words. Well, I think technically, technically it's four words. Fuck VAR. It's absolute. Like I'm sorry, but I've been saying this. You know, my problem is about VAR is because it doesn't make the things that are meant to be easier more simple. So the way I see it is, obviously people say it's the way the interpretations are being used and all that kind of stuff. It's not VAR's fault. It's the referees. But I've always said like, if you couldn't, like if a toddler couldn't put a square peg in a square hole, would you give them a laptop then or an Uzi? Like it generally, it's obviously <laughs> that the referees are, aren't competent enough to be able to use these tools in the first place. So that's what my issue is. It's like, all right, they can't do the simple bits. Let's make their job infinitely more complicated that will solve all the simple issues it doesn't work that way obviously, there's obviously a lot of confusion about the rules the implications and all that kind of stuff and the way people are interpreting it so why make it more and more complex and we feel like we're trying to adapt the game to VAR instead of VAR coming in to try and actually make the game useful mm. and I've been there now twice twice when it's have you got PTSD yeah I have and like <laughs> once is bad enough and I don't honestly think most fans realise how much it hurts until it happens to you but the fact that 
it's happened against Spurs twice in the same circumstances. It's a sickener, an absolute sickener. Um, and each time it's a, you know, head down, walk home, don't say anything for ages kind of thing. And even though obviously there was some kind of benefit, like City were good yesterday, so it kind of didn't feel too painful. It's just, it does make you question everything and it does put all the focus on the referees. And I hate the fact that football now is just a game where we talk about referees and decisions even more. And this was meant to solve that. And the fact that we're going even fastidious and fussy on the handball laws and the fact that now you can be off offside because one frame ahead on a replay looks offside compared to what it was. And the fact that uh, players are being now penalised because things that are totally accidental and like all these new roles that are coming in, it's like we don't really know what we're doing and we're doubling down on finicky nonsense. And for me, as a football fan, I'm very much of the emotional side. Like, I love football because it, it's a release at the weekend and all that kind of stuff. I don't mind human error. It's frustrating, but I love the emotion and the kind of uncertainty that brings. Whereas at the moment, it feels like we're just trying to stop the game and we're trying to analyse things to this extent where it just comes unnecessarily It's robotic. microscopic now. Yeah, and it's that's not fun. That's the science, you know, Like, and that's very useful, but keep it in a lab somewhere. Like, like I don't like this idea idea that we're really trying to analyze things constantly and like I think I think you said off air before like it's like oh you know, the handball thing well in hockey you know like if it touches a foot um it's an infringement and I said and I said no one likes hockey so let's not try and be like that because that is genuinely not what we want football to be we want it to be fast-paced energetic sometimes the mistakes also like look some of the most memorable things in world football were mistakes the Maradona handball and even though I hate the guy for that England won the World Cup maybe with a possibly with a goal that I don't know what that would have come up with but you know all these things are stories and this pursuit of perfection um, you know I'm going to quote No Gallagher or <laughs> Gallagher true perfection has to be imperfect or whatever it was oh, <laughs> just like that there we're it not, goes we're not doing this segment on bad celebrity fans until later I don't know why you're bringing <laughs> yeah, the Gallagher's up soon, already it's quite funny as soon as he said the words No Gallagher the alarm went off <laughs> but perfection does have to have imperfection as well and because that's sure. everything and like I don't know it's just it, it doesn't feel if, if it gets better, fair enough. But at the moment, we're we're, fit, we're fitting things around it, and I, I don't think that's how it should be. It should be that fits into the game naturally. Is it because the sea change has been so massive, Johnny? Do you think because we've gone from completely wanting and clamouring for technology? Because let's face it, the call for VAR hasn't actually been from the players coming out after games saying we demand technology, or even the managers who sometimes have mentioned it, but they've not exactly formed a union and come out with their pitchforks and said we want technology. It's been mainly from the fans in the pub. The fans sat at home on the sofa watching their TV screens and the pundits on telly and, and sort of the media, really. They're the ones that have clamoured for VAR. Yeah, I think um, for the most part, the people that want VAR are the fans, like you say. I think owners probably want it because there's so much money riding on football nowadays that they want the absolute correct decision. So they know they're not missing out on prize money or they know they're not missing out on their fair share of the allocation for Premier League places or getting mm. into the next round of a cup competition or winning a cup competition. Um, I think what the f- the players really want is just the referees to be better that are on the pitch. Yeah. They don't want the, you know, maybe put some more training courses on it's for them or something. Common sense as well. A total lack of common sense. Like the handball law that's brought in. Like, yeah, Ilka Gundogan went on Twitter yesterday and um, I'll find the tweet, but basically he's kicking off the fact that um, things that are accidental now favour defenders and not attackers. He said um, on Twitter, today's VR decision is really hard to take. Any any attacker that commits handball, intentional or not, is now ruled a free quick question mark. And if you're defending, it's fine. It's only disadvantage of the attacking team. In my opinion, this rule needs to be changed. And he's got a point like, so if that ball had hit you know, Skip's hand uh, instead of uh, Gun- uh, Laporte's hand, that would be fine, even though it was clearly an accident from both of them. And 
it's like this was brought in because of the, the maybe the Lorente goal or the non the goal that happened Mega City or maybe once again it was the Wolf of Bolly goal against City last season. Mm. But that's like if okay if you put it with your hand, you know, okay, fair enough, disallow that. But like the stuff like this, it's just ugh, come on, like people have arms, like you shouldn't be punished for having an arm in the in the in the box. It seems a little bit harsh, like <laughs> especially if you're not even looking at it, it hits your arm and then that can rule out a goal. Like, but it'd be fine if it hit a defender. Like, yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, a game of football is so fluid and so back and forth. So sometimes you just think, well, why not keep the rule the same? If it hits your arm, as harsh as it is. I know you don't like it, Stephen, oh, but that's what the rule should be. <laughs> it's like being punished it should be, limbs. if it hits your arm, no matter whether it's accidental or not, then it should be a handball. But yeah. you will see people kicking the ball against people's arms deliberately. Might make it well, that more frustrating, that but it would certainly solve the rule because as soon as the ball hits someone on the arm, it is a free kick. Oh, but that's harsh ref. Sorry, well, I don't make the rules. Hugo Lloris agreed anyway. Spurs keeper. That's interesting. Yeah. The players have come out. One player, Gundogan, has come out and tweeted, as you mentioned. Lloris on the other team has come out and said, actually, I thought it was a little bit harsh on City. It's because, well, I guess they don't like it because it removes um, intention. Like, and I guess football for players will like hate the idea of being penalised something that they didn't have any choice in, and that would be the most frustrating thing. And it'll affect every team at some point, won't it? it won't just be City; it'll be everyone at some yeah. point where it'll affect. And I know, I know, you can turn around and say, well, it affects both teams, but they don't have to like the rule change. It's their job, and if they want to complain about it, they've got to be right to, you know. Yeah, sure. Like, um, if you if your boss, you know, turn around and say, can you only have a brew after midday you know you'd be like well, that's nonsense and you would obviously complain <laughs> about it or whatever but like I don't know how that relates but you know there's some, something in there kind of thing but it's just I think the rules are getting pickier and oh, the offside one as well last week where it was with Sterling as well once again yeah. was like come on like that is like that is so microscopic like armpit off, hair offside like rule kind of like it used to be like going back like 30 years 40 years you had to be behind the you line had to be you? behind yeah. the line like sure. um, in terms of and that would obviously uh, favour the defender's massive because the forwards always like could never be ahead like or level at least, and then he changed it to try and benefit. And now, ninety nine percent of the time, if you're level, is not not ninety percent obviously, but if you're level, there's very much chance your toe or your finger could be offside or anything, you know, any part of your body. So you're almost worth staying like staying half a yard away from the defender back just to make sure you're not going to be offside, which mm. once again favours the defender. So the rules have actually regressed to back where they were beforehand. They changed it so you could be level to not actually favour the defenders because football's about goals and all these sure. rules that are coming in are actually making it harder to score goals and I guess the teams that will be affecting most are the ones who score the most because we'll, we'll see a lot so that's probably why I feel pent up because City will have a lot of goals disallowed Well I've had enough of VAR already and it's going <laughs> to crop up all the way through the season on the podcast I'm sure we'll be talking about VAR a lot as the course of this Premier League season rumbles on but let's actually talk about the match because it was a good match it was probably the marquee game of the weekend Manchester City at home against Tottenham a Tottenham side who I think have, have strengthened reasonably well in the summer, although they have lost a couple of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think in Trippier, there was no one was 100% certain whether Ericsson would stay. What about the game then, Johnny? Because Manchester City, 30 shots to Spurs three, but yet Spurs ground out a draw. Yeah, I think it really showed how... Um how you need to take your chances in football and uh, <laughs> i think a lot of the old a lot, cliche a lot of cities uh. a lot of city shots were were from distance so i think when you look at how many decent opportunities clear cut opportunities they had it probably reduces that back down to sort of a, a more sensible number in terms of the amount of goals I they ended the up scoring. Goals, the XG stats. i was trying to i was trying to uh, <laughs> avoid using that particular term um, but um, i think yeah i think spurs spurs are decent um, so I think it's a, probably a, f- a fair result if you looked at it on paper, maybe. Uh, Rodri, Rodrigo, whatever he's going by this week, <laughs> um, 
it's Rodney, pro- it's, I think now. It's still bedding himself in. So um and he, he could have um Imagine got himself had a Del- penalty. Oh, that's another thing. We could have had Del Boy that, and Rodney that, the... yeah, that, that should have been a penalty. Why is that ignored? That's another thing. I knew I shouldn't have brought like, it up. Yeah, like why was that I'm not giving honestly, even Pep made a quip. He's like you said in the press conference, um uh, the VAR must have been having a coffee at that time because like why is that ignored? Like that's the thing once again. It's meant to remove inconsistency, but like you've got uh, obvious clear as anything but he had him around the neck and fell on him uh, that wasn't given as a penalty that kind of stuff is just baffling like what, what? it's frustrating because like there's, there's no plausible explanation for that kind of stuff and when that thing kind of happens no one's going to take it seriously yeah do you think do you think those spurs are in a better position this season to make more of a tilt for the for the premier league based title? off that honestly i know it's early games but they were further away from city than i'm not sure if city are better but they were further away from city than they were last year based off that game it's probably because it's early season they obviously haven't bedded in under bailey and lacelso properly um they got a couple of good signings there but i i really like Ndombele. Uh, yeah he he's good he didn't player. get didn't get close to the ball honestly that that but you don't expect to against the side like manchester city you'd hope to be closer he got more on the ball for leon than he did for spurs um, are city fans getting used to that now though Stephen, knowing that teams aren't gonna get I You're going to get more of the ball, really, and there are going to be games where you you can't win every. Game. I was really it's just the law of averages. I thought genuinely they were. Uh, I thought they were poor. Like gen- for the quality of the team they are, it felt like we were playing like um, with all due respect, like a, a Villa or a Bournemouth or something like. That. It felt like a lot lower because they didn't make any attempt to really go at us at all. Like, it was very. I understand why they do it, but it didn't feel like we were playing. It would have been more of a fight with United or Liverpool, guaranteed. It felt that way. I know City are. Maybe City have just got better, like because yeah. it seemed phenomenally good. We were, mm. That was Pep actually said afterwards that was um, since he's come here that was the best um, best display he's seen by Manchester City. He does that hyperbole thing a lot, but in terms of control, like <laughs> thirty shots to three, and I saw one thing. He where does say that statistically City in terms of the whole. I know everyone hates to start with the expected goals thing. It was more, given the shots, it was more likely to be a six nil game than a two all. Apparently, given how much City dominated the game, all that kind of stuff. And like I thought, we were absolutely brilliant. Just um, two two soft goals and then wasteful finishing. But we were just so much better than them. And this is not biased. It was genuinely just the course of the match that it was actually a bit frightening. Uh, and this is. Uh, with a bunch of players on the bench like Cancelo and um... I was fuming with Pep last week didn't put Bernardo Silva on <laughs> he didn't get on they won 5-0 and he was in my fantasy team so I was absolutely he was gutted well. that he didn't Ugh. get on um, what about you said Manchester United might have put up more of a fight than, than Spurs but talking of fights Aguero and Pep Guardiola there was a little bit of something <laughs> going on there there was what do you make of it Johnny? I was a bit confused as to why it all happened. I'm not the best at um, Spanish. I can, <laughs> um, what about body language? So, as <laughs> a body language that? expert, which I clearly am, um, they were definitely having an argument. That's what I can deduce from that. But what the what the source of um, it was, I don't know. I initially thought that um, Pep was a bit annoyed that Aguero didn't come off at the nearest point of the pitch because someone got a yellow card for that uh, the week before with that new rule coming really? in. Is that um, yeah, you have to leave you, the pitch if you've been substituted at the you, nearest point. Know and just to stop player, yeah, just stop players standing in the corner flag and coming. I also all like the, the way um, back. goal kick one as well. I think that's, that's a good rule. And the, the, and the um, for kick off in general, where you pass it backwards. But that's a weird, that's a weird thing to have a Barney with your manager about, isn't but it? Yeah, that's what I thought because he kept on the coverage. Guardiola kept pointing at the pitch and sort of indicating somewhere. In my mind, immediately went to that, and he well, said, "Didn't want Aguero getting a yellow card." That, but... would, that would make sense because then he didn't apparently say afterwards it was because Aguero thought that he was blaming him for the goal or something like that. One of the goals must have just been a mixed message. Yeah, um, to say that's they both speak yeah. to say they both speak Spanish. Um, it probably got lost in translation somewhere. 
I don't know, but um, yeah, I think it was quite touching that they had a hug at the end and then quite touching that (laughs) they probably had to reignite that argument afterwards because Jesus' goal got chalked off again. But um, I I have no idea. I'm sure they'll sort it all out on the training ground. I'm sure Aguero will come back and score endless goals against Newcastle in the future, (laughs) as he seems (laughs) to do. When does City play Newcastle? Um, Too soon. I don't know when it is, (laughs) but it's too soon. Too soon. Well, let's talk about Newcastle United, and I know you're probably going to groan at me, Johnny, because of this, but you talk about Aguero scoring a bucket load of goals against Newcastle United. (laughs) That's fair enough, but what about (laughs) Timo Puki scoring a bucket load of goals against Newcastle United? He's like an adorable little Pokemon. What, Timo Puki? He's great. Uh, The Finnish striker, who scored 29 goals in the Championship last season, and he's already got a hat-trick. He's the first Norwich City player to score a hat trick since 1993. Does anyone know who it was? Efinokoku. It was. He's done his research, Johnny. Well done. Um, as much as it pains you to, to talk about this game as a Newcastle United fan, um, Norwich almost blew Newcastle away. Yeah, to say that they were torn to pieces in the way that they played against Liverpool, obviously, Newcastle aren't at Liverpool's level. Um, anywhere close to that probably not even their reserves <laughs> or their under 23s at this point but no um Pookie was just unplayable completely unplayable to say we have three decent centre-backs and that's probably our strongest area of the pitch was it Cadwell alongside him or something like that he was good as well yeah, yeah the, really attacking good. midfielder yeah, yeah. well but, you talk about Newcastle centre-halves I mean we've we've had other Newcastle United fans on Premier League Daily Marley Anderson Phil Hudson both big Toon fans, you, you say they reckon this is the best crop of centre-halves that, that has been at the club for years. To be you fair, know. we've had Titus Bramble and John <laughs> Allen Boomsong and, and some of us. So oh, it's not bring saying, back Stephen Taylor. St- Stephen oh, Taylor and his sniper antics. But yeah, yeah we've, got, we've got a good crop of centre-backs and to say that they, they struggled to deal with Timo Puki when we were so strong <laughs> under uh, Benitez last year, especially in defence, especially with the back three or back five, depending on who we're playing against. It's just strange to see that we, we just couldn't cope with 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 the greatest respect to Timu Puki. Not the <laughs> not the best that, not the best striker in the division. And so it does worry us or worry myself and other Newcastle fans when we come up against an Aguero or come up against Firmino or Mane or Salah or Kane or someone at that real elite level, how we're gonna cope. And and it's strange we've got Steve Bruce in charge who was one of the great centre backs of, of the early nineties in that dominant Manchester United team and it just seems he can't you know, put 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 three centre backs in the right position, and then playing three midfielders in front of them means that Shar and Lejeune, when he comes back, won't be able to move into midfield because that midfield area is already so you know congested with the likes of Longstaff and Shelby and Hayden, who who aren't the most you know willing to go forward at the best of times. So it is worrying, and and I, I don't want to bang the Steve Bruce out drum already bang it, man. Bang it. <laughs> but I need a whole result. Frank DeBoer think lasted I need a whole four games I think I need a whole drum kit to be honest with <laughs> the amount of drums I need to bang for, for Steve Bruce but I I don't begrudge him taking the job because you know it's his probably he's turned Newcastle down in the past and this is it's probably his only chance to take the job now he's never ever ever going to come to him again mm. he was 11th choice to begin with I think, I, think the, choice. I think the statue of Bobby Robson outside the ground was probably higher up on the on the list than Steve <laughs> Bruce was so nanomet carbon rod I know it just anyone you know well, he said it was the only job he would have ever have lost, left Sheffield Wednesday. That's for. not true. He Johnny Sharples and Manchester United. I'd Johnny Sharples would gladly take manager. that job, but I think I'd command less respect than Steve Bruce. I don't would. know about that, to be honest. No, that's true. Probably. <laughs> I've seen some journalists suggest that Newcastle United need to act quickly in removing Steve Bruce when the time is right. I know it's still early doors, as you say, 
quicker than they did with Steve McLaren because by that point when Rafa Benitez came in March 2016 the damage was already done and like, Rafa was working like with the difficult ago, team. It? it was well, ages ago the, yeah. only re- the only reason we got rid of Steve McLaren in truth was because Rafa Benitez was available and willing there's no manager at Rafa Benitez's level willing to take that job now and that so why would you stack, sack Steve Bruce to, to appoint someone else at Steve Bruce's level, go and appoint Mark Hughes or go and appoint Tony Pulis. They're available and they'll be willing to take the job. David Moyes is still without a job and will probably be without one for the foreseeable future. So that's the risk we take. We get rid of Steve Bruce and we're left with a Steve Bruce level manager to come in and take over. There's no Rafa Benitez level manager that will take that job. The Steve Bruce conundrum. I know. Yeah, so, Schrodinger's uh, Bruce. Are Newcastle United <laughs> barrel scraping? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, transfer. Well, almost, Schrodinger's uh, Bruce, by the way. We've got to rename the podcast that. <laughs> have, you gone from a, have you gone from a full barrel? We're, you know, a, a nice pint towards the top of the keg and now you're scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and get some dregs out of it. Well, What's changed? We, we play like a team that's, you know, lost a Champions League winning manager and is, he's been replaced by a manager that has cabbages thrown at him. And that's because <laughs> that's what has happened. And how, how can you respect a man who has cabbages thrown at him? I mean, you can't really, can you? you know, I don't think I would work for him. Like, cabbages, man. Well, to be fair, there, there are issues. Everyone knows about the, the issues of Mike Ashley. I think Lee Charnley is the managing director at Newcastle United Football yeah. Club, and I don't think he's particularly well revered uh, around he's not, St. James's He's not Park. a football man either. And like, like a lot of the time, you will have, for Manchester City, for example, they have, you know, Tixie, what's his face? Cheeky Bregenstein and Ferran Soriano. Who are football men. They, they, they were professional footballers. They understand how the model works. They, they came through at Barcelona, you know, reached the level of what we would say in this country, director of football or sort of management managing director. Mm. Lee Charnley's a finance man. So he's no still surprise looking, he works for my cash. No. So he's still looking at the books and stuff when he's making these signings and recommendations. We he's have like a, some football A B-Tech Woodward, basically. Yeah, and that's saying something because <laughs> yeah. Woodward's already like... He's not well liked at Manchester United. a City United, and Guilds man himself. It's like with, <laughs> like with City, for example. They, they've got three people on the board who make the most decisions. They've got uh, Gigi Bregenstein, obviously, massive football man, like a footballer. Soriano, he's really, really heavily involved in business. He was like an, on the board of like some airlines and all that kind of stuff. And they've got Omar Barad, who's like the chief operating executive, who's got a bit of football background. Um, but in general, it's like the three of them make decisions. So one's got a business thing, one's got a football background, and then obviously Pep's got a link. So it's not just like a football man is just running it. You've also got a businessman running it. So they've got basically three very high-level perspectives constantly, you mm. know, to decide mm. it all and make... Whereas the thing is, you've, if you've got like just the football man, he's going to make decisions based on plays he likes well, and like all then just... Newcastle the did sort of do that under Steve McLaren. We had a, we, we read we our board and we have McLaren as on the board, which makes it difficult when they have board meetings about sacking him, but <laughs> about by the by. Lee Charnley was on there. Mike Ashley was on there. And um, what's his name? The chief scout. Oh, Graham Carr. Graham Carr was on there as well. And that's Alan Carr's dad, by the way. Yeah. So oh yeah, it's not, my man. sister worked with Alan Carr once. True story. She worked <laughs> with him at a call centre. Like she worked for like Barclays or something like that. And he was there, and she said he was like he was pretty funny, but not that funny actually in person. But like he was the funny guy, but you never would have thought he would have been a famous comedian. Put it that way. To you be know? fair, when I'm ringing up Vodafone to try and get my bill sorted out, I don't want Alan Carr cracking <laughs> jokes down the line. To be perfectly honest, um, but back back to Newcastle, and we talk about the, the, the problems in the boardroom at the club, and, and and about you know looking after the pennies. Mike Ashley is one thing he hates more in the world. It's nothing. And like losing money, you know, that's the one thing he dislikes the most. <laughs> so in terms of signings, Alan St. Maximin, um, Joe Linton, forty million pounds, and he's gone off injured. Um injured. in term in terms of in terms <laughs> yeah. of cutting edge and you know, trying to find a way through to score goals to win you games, 
Newcastle just didn't look at the races. And, you know, apart from a late John Joe Shelby consolation, yeah. what, what did Newcastle create? Joe Linton uh, had, a, had a header in the first half that, that you know, just Solomon Rondon might have scored last year. Agreed. A, a prime Andy Carroll will hopefully score in, in the future. <laughs> Agreed. But but the problem is, I think part of the problem, and not to, not to complain about Steve Bruce again, but whenever Newcastle are, are concerned going forward, it will be mainly about Steve Bruce. <laughs> his his decision making. I've already touched on the back three and then three midfielders, which sort of stifles the to say the creativity of our centre back shows where our creativity is going to come from, but. He sort of he's decided he wants to play with a front two of Jolinton and at the moment Miguel Almiron. And Almiron's not a striker. And he said Sam Maximin he also will use as a striker. Mutu he's probably going to use as a striker. But so he's, he's not very good though, is he? He's all right, but I don't think he's had a fair crack of the whip. He scored a good goal against Manchester United last year and then sort of disappeared. He went away to the Asian Cup and didn't really get a look in when he came back. But you could if you match the the system that Benitez was playing last year, maybe we'll have a bit more of a fighting chance where you back three, two central midfielders, you've got Longstaff, you've got Shelby, it gives you more depth in that. If you drop down from three to two, it gives you more choice in who that two should be. And then you play a three across the front and you get Muto or Atsu or bring one of them back in if you need to. But then the first choice should be Jolinton when he's, he's fit, Almiron and Saint-Maximin. And that gives you some creativity, some pace, hopefully some goals. It allows Jolinton to drop back because that seems to be what he's more comfortable doing. He doesn't seem to be a proper out-and-out number nine. And so uh, it allows those two to go forward, whoever the two sort of wider players were. But Newcastle, Newcastle were rubbish. But Norwich, to say that they got absolutely hammered by Liverpool, they stayed in that same way that they'd been playing in the Championship. They played the same way that they were trying to play against Liverpool and created some good opportunities against Liverpool. And they will pick up points. I was a bit worried after, well, worried for Norwich's sake, excited for Newcastle's sake that they seem to be a team that might do worse than us. But they will will absolutely do other teams in that are at Newcastle's level. They'll probably, you know, do the same against Villa, same against Sheffield United, Burnley. These teams, Crystal Palace, uh, you know, Brighton, those teams that are down there that might be yeah. a bit worried about being in the sort of bottom half. It's having a goal scorer, Norwich will do that. Well, yeah, a goal and Pukki is um, surprised to say he didn't do very well in the SPL. And we often, you well, know, he, criticise players that, that do it in the SPL and say, could they do it in England? He's obviously shown that, you, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily do it in Scotland, but it's yeah. quite easy to do it in England. As you briefly <laughs> mentioned there, we can lambast Newcastle United all, all we like, but we have to give credit to Daniel Fark and Norwich yeah, City. Definitely. And Timo Pukki, hat trick. You know, first home game in the Premier League for Norwich City upon their return to the top flight. You know, and he's got a stealthy turn of pace, Timo Puki. He looks, yeah, he looks like he's got right? a bit about yeah. him, isn't he? It's a double-edged sword as well, because Timo Puki is another name I'm going to have to remember when I do Premier League hat-trick quizzes on Sporkle, because <laughs> that's one that's going to get he's going to get Freddie Bobic, and, and it's already full of names, and having to have another name Kagawa. in there. I know, it's Solomon Choi. I only remember that because it came against Newcastle. So... <laughs> It, it's it's but he is he looked good and I don't know who they've got in reserve just if Puki gets a bit injured um I don't know who they who they've got as a backup to him but they've just got to cross their fingers and cross everything that he's not going to anything bad's going to happen to him in the uh, in the foreseeable future um pretty much everyone has tipped Norwich to go straight back down me included and I'm worried Stephen about having my pants pulled down by by December when they're yeah, comfortably they... 12th and from what we've seen so far, I know it's only been two games, but they're, they're 
going to be up for the fight. Of course they would be, but in terms of the style of football, they, they're not afraid to give it a good go. They're, doing, they're one of those teams that come up who play the percentage plays in terms of like some people try not to lose, some people just try and win event, you know, whatever, whatever. Like we might lose the odd game, but try and win a couple, you know, one in three, then it's better than drawing two and losing, you know, one. So that's what I think they're trying to do. And obviously they've got a really dynamic, and I've, I've only, I'll be honest, I've only seen the highlights, but the link-up between Puki and that Cantwell guy was just so good. It was so, like, so energetic. And, and uh, Buendia looks like a good yeah, player Yeah, they've well. got, like, they've just got a very lively team, and I really like that. I like it, I like it when teams come over and have a, you know, have a crack at it, because... I mean, if you do that, there's a lot of very stale teams around them in general. Teams who are, who don't really have the goal scorers like the way Norwich seem to have and all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, if they really want for it and keep playing with that intensity, they will stay up like, they, with that intensity because they'll beat like some Nor- they'll beat Newcastle again, for example. They'll beat some other teams around them. And I, it's just, it surprised me how how good they are, look how comfortable they look at this level going forward already. They even caused Liverpool problems, didn't they? So yeah, and we'll talk about Sheffield United as well. Um, Aston Villa. They lost again to Bournemouth 2-1. They spent £130 million plus, 12 new faces through the door at Villa Park this summer. Uh, they lost two games in a row, although they've had Spurs and AFC Bournemouth as their first two games. Norwich City spent a million pounds. It's 133 times more expenditure <laughs> over in the uh, over in the Midlands at Aston Villa. Think, and yet you've, they've got three more points to show for it. I think they lost like about eight, nine players or something like that. So they had a lot of people on loan, so they had to sign players just to fill up the squad again. But... Um, they, when, when you sign that many players, it's, you don't know how it's going to go, do you? Really? Well, I'm just worried about Norwich. Well, I was worried about Norwich. I oh. said at the start of the season I was worried about Norwich because they only spent one million pounds, and the players they've brought in, they brought in uh, the goalkeeper on loan, Ralph Farman on loan from Schalke, who's a goalkeeper um, as either <laughs> either backup or replacement for Krul. Um They've got Hasip Dermic. I think they signed on a free transfer yeah. from Borussia Mönchengladbach, and. Um, I can't really think of who else they signed. They took Paddy Ro- uh, Patrick Roberts got, yeah, on loan from Roberts City and, as well. Yeah, he scored a few goals in pre-season for them, so he'll be... A million pounds it's spent by But they've got City. the thing that Norwich have, and I, I don't know if it's always been this way, so I'm, I'm probably showing my naivety and um, stupidity around their setup. but they have two amazing young fullbacks in in Max Ahrens and, yeah. and Jamal Lewis. Ahrens is good, isn't he? And he's yeah. really good. I don't know if, if they've really invested in their um, academy or or they've always just been this way, pulling players through. But I think if they're pulling these young players through, and Daniel Fark obviously has the connections in Germany to bring these players over, yeah. you know, at reasonable prices. The same that we saw from David Wagner at, at Huddersfield um, a year or two ago. That that can really pay dividends, and I think I think they'll be safe. And I was tipping them for rele- I was more hopeful um, in tipping them for relegation at the start of the season in the hope that they'd <laughs> they be one, yeah, one of the few teams that might be a bit worse than Newcastle. But you know, it just shows that sometimes you don't have to spend a lot of money if you've got team spirit. It can take you a long way, and and you know, tactical nous from the manager and just that trust of the players in you as well. Yeah, I think they'll be absolutely fine as long as long as in January, you know, they either might have to put some money somewhere or bat off a few bids from the likes of Puki if he's, he's playing well and, and the two fullbacks as well. It'd be interesting when you uh, sorry, Aston Villa. We just don't really. I think we probably got, can't really judge how they get on after until you know, like ten games in, and when we see how the players settle and all that kind of stuff. Because it's very easy to lose your first couple of games when you come up. And what I've seen as well is like the goals you can see. There's been a couple of mistakes, you yes, know, from players. Individual and areas. Douglas Louise, the guy they got to see, actually had a couple of um, howlers and scored an absolutely incredible goal to be fair to him at that ping from like thirty yards. But they've got some good players in. Um, 
from all accounts. That John McGinn looks great as well in the field. He's, he's a hell of a midfielder. But we just have to see how they adapt to in time because when you sign up with players, you don't know. I think it's probably a little bit lazy to presume because you sign loads, they'll therefore do a Fulham, you know, because there's loads of teams that sign loads and do all right. It's just, we'll have to see, give them a bit of time because they're not easy games to start, you know. Eddie Howe's a good manager, Bournemouth, yeah. decent team, Spurs, sure. I suppose. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Aston Villa. What do you think? Are you a Villa fan? Are we maybe being slightly harsh on Aston Villa? As we say, just two games in. Let us know on Twitter, at the Sports Social. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll be talking about the other newly promoted team to the Premier League, Sheffield United after this break but by the way if you've got an Amazon Alexa device you can find daily updates for any Premier League team all 20 of them every single day will have a news update for you we'll also have Premier League match previews and match reports within an hour of the final whistle so don't forget to ask Alexa to enable Sports Social to get that skill it's really really cool also subscribe to the show so you never miss another episode of the podcast seven days a week it's the quickest way to keep up to date with all the news opinion and analysis on the Premier League we're going to take a quick break now but Stay tuned because after this, we'll be talking about Sheffield United and also which clubs have got the worst celebrity supporters. See you after this. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back to Premier League Daily. I'm Niall McCorn alongside me in the studio looking back at the weekend's Premier League action. We've got Johnny Sharples. Hello, Johnny. You're right. We've got Stephen McAnally. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Uh, we've been talking about Manchester City against Tottenham, the VAR situation. We've spoken at length about Norwich City, Newcastle United. We've even touched upon Aston Villa and how they might do this season. But let's talk about another of the newly promoted sides, Sheffield United, who beat Crystal Palace 1-0 on Sunday afternoon in the Premier League. It was a a well-worked team performance from Sheffield United. Chris Wilder, for me, is one of the best managers out there, pound for pound, I think, for what he's had to work with. And although they have made reasonable investment this summer, Sheffield United, I think he's done an incredible job. He's taken Sheffield United up the leagues from League One, up through the Championship and into the Premier League in the space of a few years. Before that, he was managing at Northampton Town in League Two, won them the League Two title. And I think it helps him out that he's a Sheffield lad. He's a Sheffield United supporter. The fans love him. He's a proper football manager. And Sheffield United look a decent outfit, at least on Sunday's showing against Crystal Palace. Perhaps if you're a Crystal Palace fan, you might be concerned about where your team will end up this season. But let's focus on Sheffield United first. I was impressed, Stephen. Better team. Um, and I think uh, they kind of really show the almost like the insecurity around Palace at the moment obviously the protracted Sahar saga and like mm. uh, Sheffield United where um, they went for Palace another team like Norwich they were making a real fist of it and yeah they were impressive uh, energy uh, you know they were direct they had more chances and uh, Crystal Palace and they thoroughly deserved it I think Crystal Palace fans got a bit of a rude awakening about how their side might do this season today against Sheffield United because Sheffield United are a side that will graft yeah. They will totally graft. They will graft you out of games and they will just keep eking out chances. They've got two wingbacks that get down the sides, put balls into the box. They've got good finishers in uh, Sharp and McGoldrick. Knows where the net is. He's an Ireland international, of course. Um, the goal they scored today was just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, you know, firing it into the roof of the net after the keeper made a save. As for Crystal Palace, they didn't create Johnny. They... Sheffield United managed to keep Zaha quiet or was it a case of Zaha being anonymous is he the same player should they have sold him could they have afforded to sell him would they have been better off without him so many different questions but if I'm a Crystal Palace fan going all the way up to Sheffield on a Sunday afternoon to watch your side create nothing come away beaten 1-0 by a newly promoted side I'd be a bit pissed off yeah I think 
Sheffield United were really smart in how they dealt with Wilfred Zaha because I think they sort of established that he might be the only one in that team that's got a bit of a spark. With respect to uh, Andros Townsend, he's a new bit of a Newcastle local legend, even though he was, <laughs> wasn't there for that long. Um, I think you can sort of leave him a bit on his own um, more than you can with Zaha. So whenever Zaha was on the ball, that Sheffield United defence were just flooding around him. Yeah. And they're so willing to... Closed him down so fast. Well, I think I think a lot of the focus on Sheffield United's tactics is this the fact that they have these overlapping centre-backs. Which is um, weird, isn't it? Overlap- it's, it's, it's pure it's, This is the first time that I've, I've watched it and it is a sight to behold. But I think the, the same as that is that the, those two centre-backs that are either side in the, in the back three are willing to come out of their position a bit more, um, not just in the attacking phase, but sort of in the defensive bit as well. So whenever Zaha was on the ball, the right wing-back and the right-sided centre-back would double up on him. And they were sort of willing to do that and willing to remove themselves from their natural position and sort of just crowd crowd Zaha out and leave Benteke on his own or leave Townsend on his own because they didn't see much of a threat from him. And and quite right they were too because Crystal Palace just didn't seem to create anything. And I think it's a bit of a worry. Benteke um, has not been on the ball for quite a while. um, They've lost Batshuayi. And I think I don't know where their goals are going to come from if Zaha isn't yeah, on it. Yeah, I think people are um, uh, being a little bit uh, quiet to Palace's chances this season. Like I think in general they could struggle, and most people wouldn't have said that before. Um, but they've not really had a good summer at all. They've I lost think, obviously the goals. Yeah, people they've were got... saying if they lose Zaha, they are relegation candidates. But they've kept Zaha. But in the two displays we've seen so far, he was on the bench at Everton. He I'm started sure today around, against Sheffield United. He's been poor. Yeah. He's been poor. It, it Is he the same will, player? Well, you'll want to move still, so you'll eventually walk him around and start playing good. But like. Once again, they lost goals through the middle, and like Benteke isn't the man to be reliable for goals, and he never has. You know, he's not been for a very long time anyway. Um, and they, they haven't really got much else because the Batshuayi obviously is a big loss because he provided with some options definitely, and it just feels like um, they've always been pretty decent, Palace, but they feel like the kind of club that without a bit of luck or not luck. Maybe with a bit of bad luck, they could just have a season where they kind of plummet a little bit. And Hodgson was really frustrated after the game yesterday. He thought they were really, but you know, he wasn't a happy man at all. And it's only very early; it's only two games in. But I don't know. You never know. You never know. I think with Palace, what, what's always been their strength is bringing the young players through. Zaha obviously left for a bit, but he's one of them. And then Van Bissaka was another one. Big loss, isn't it? And yeah. they just—I don't know if there's just nobody for them to bring through this time. There's nobody for them to, apart from Zaha, to sell for big money to reinvest. You know, they saw Wan Bissaka. I mean, and they, and they didn't they didn't reinvest that particularly. So it's just a bit of a what are they trying to do with themselves this season? Were they so focused on keeping Zaha that they sort of turned their attention away from other targets, or, or what? And um, their top scorer last season was was Milivojevic, and a lot of his goals came from penalties won Milivojevic by Zaha. Pen was their top scorer? Wasn't <laughs> well, yeah, and if Zaha's not there, he's not going to win them penalties. That Milivojevic can then score. So. It's it's going to be a bit of an interesting one on their part, and whether I think they're one of those clubs that if they're in the doldrums come come January, they'll throw some money at it. They've got obviously got money in reserve from the Wan Bissaka yeah, sale. Yeah, they've got quite they're a lean squad as well. To six be million, fair, six million. It's looking up now. James McCarthy, Jordan yeah. Ayew, from and they've Swansea. got Camarasa on loan from Betis, yeah. the fellow who was at Cardiff last Gary season. Gary Hale on a free transfer. Yeah, I mean they've got quite a lean squad though, Steve. To be fair, because yeah. if you look, I think they're only 22, 23 first team players, and you talk about their striking options. Obviously, Christian Benteke. Is their is their foremost striker, but in in support you've got Connor Wickham. Yeah, he's naff. Who, Wickham. What was Roger it? He, he was he was out for eighteen months or two years or yeah. something. And Roy Hodgson gave him a new deal. And then Jordan Ayew is the other one uh, that they've got there. It's 
Wickham or Benteke. That's not going to keep you up in the Premier League, is it? No, in a word. <laughs> so like they they've got problems in that front. If like obviously they got a lot of money and um they probably should have invested it or something like that, or even tried to grab a couple of loans. They'll probably they might be okay, let's be honest. They probably might just do it, but it's gonna be a tough season, definitely. I think what they do, they do do quite a lot of business in January as well. They got Batshuayi yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um did Milivojevic come in in the January of when they signed him as well? So I think they are quite willing to to spend some money in the January. Um, so we'll have to see whether they need another striker. And I think maybe so I think it was deadline day, January seventeen. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it it sort of maybe at that point in the January of of the year, teams sort of know who's in their plans and who's not, and that's maybe when Crystal Palace realise that they can pick off the they'll players have money that as haven't well, played. There will the, 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 the should be some money in the kit given Wan has not been really invested at all in the money there, and they'll probably plan to have Zaha money maybe because I reckon he will go next summer. So mm. they'll probably have to spend in January. I mean, could Zaha go in January? Perceivably, that's not a bad shout. I'm that, surprised that, that, he... they want to. Yes, that would be surely that relegate him. I would think that obviously the European transfer window is still open mm. um, for a, a little bit longer, and I thought Bayern Munich might have a sniff around him. Whether they were put off by the price or that's his age shout, or actually, what, you know, that's not um, they were looking at new wingers. Obviously, they were linked with Callum Hudson Odoi for a time. But Young signed... English wingers seem to be the in, in flavour, don't they? Yeah, and they signed, but they've signed even uh, Perisic now. Um, who's 30 and they've only got him on loan so I don't know if they'll, they'll still might go in for Sarno apparently they yeah. might have, you know never know fingers crossed they don't but. so Zaha but the, the price is shot. obviously through the that. roof um, yeah. and I think he would be good in, you look at um, Jaden Sancho's obviously taking it, uh, the Bundesliga by storm you know Robin was able to, to play there for quite a, a lot longer than you might expect someone of um, his age to have been doing same with Ribery so maybe they, they would invest in someone like Zaha and they would they would think that he can last He's a, really uh, a good lot fit. longer. I actually agree with that. Do you know what I totally forgot as well in terms of Crystal Palace's striking options? They've loaned Alexander Serloth off to Trabzonspor in the Turkish League for two seasons. So he's out on loan in Turkey until the end of 2021. Turkey love a loan deal. because <laughs> <laughs> there's no money. They can't you, afford anything. <laughs> if, if you've got a player that you don't need... Send him, him to, to Turkey. Turkey. Send him to Turkey. That's where Homri Savet's been on loan for like two years from <laughs> Newcastle. Is, so. is he still a thing? Yeah. So, wow. Um, Champions Man Wonder Kid. He was. I was a winger. So he was, um, was good. Him. Well, he never was good actually. So yeah, t- Turkey's obviously the place to be if, if you uh, <laughs> if you want a, a hero's reception for signing a two-year <laughs> loan deal. But yeah, it's hard. So hard to tell early on in the season. Is it hard to tell whether Chelsea will be any good this year, lads? Because they lost 4-0 to Manchester United in their opening fixture, uh, albeit a Manchester United side that did look reasonably devastating on the counter, which uh, really got some of the United fans quite excited, to be perfectly honest. They play Wolves on Monday evening in the Premier League. That's their fixture for the weekend. Um, And what about Chelsea then? Because they drew 1-1 with Leicester City on Sunday afternoon. They came out of the blocks like an absolute steam train. I think Casper Michael was forced into a save after 50 seconds. Mason Mount was eventually the one that got the goal for Chelsea. He looks like an exciting young player, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think Chelsea really need to focus on those exciting young players. We've heard about them, them so much for so many years. and we've, we've all cracked the jokes about them all eventually being Vitesse's player of the year and things like that. But I think now's the time, and, and under Frank Lampard, and, and especially with Jody Morris as assistant manager, who's worked with a lot of these young players, they really need to show that they're capable of not just winning FA Youth Cups. They need to show that they're capable of being proper Premier League players. And Mason Mount's one, and there's... Um, 
the centre back that Tomorrow. He there you go the centre back that was with him at Derby last year got Tammy Abraham there as well yeah be, Tammy Abraham Christensen won a technically I mean, the the, uh, uh, Hudson Adoy last year breakthrough season it's a lost his cheek another one and both of them injured at the moment obviously like it's, it's quite, I think it's quite an interesting season for Chelsea because it's genuinely a, 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 you know it's a free swing like I, I know obviously fans on they're not always that like um. They they'll, they will moan if things go wrong, but like I think the Lampard, he's not been out of sign anyone really. He got Kovacic by some kind of weird technical default thing with the contracts and stuff. But like he's bringing through the academy players. People love Frank Lampard, and I think long as he doesn't have a disaster, like we're talking like you know fighting for relegation. I think even if he finished seven or eight, he'd get another year because he'd be like, well, you, you know, you've sure. got a chance to. And also these players will be a year stronger. I and mean, Reese James is going to come back. He's fantastic. He was brilliant for He was absolutely brilliant. And then uh, two of their best academy players, well, three of their best academy players aren't even fit. You know, Loftus-Cheek starts yeah. to look really good. Hudson-Odoi yeah, is when, fantastic. When Loftus and uh, Hudson-Odoi come back, and that'd then be very good. Reese James, yeah. I... I as as a City fan who's watched a lot of these FAU Cup clashes and stuff, I love it. Like um, just in general, when you get to see academy players come through, because I think one thing being a City fan now these days is, and this is not shared by all City fans, but me personally, like signing sixty million players is fun. But for me, still seeing Phil Foden score goals, it's is the best fun. feeling, isn't it? As a supporter, when you see some local lad who's come through the academy, who grew up two miles down the road from where you were born, yeah, like, come through, and you feel like you know him. I had and more you feel excitement. Like you've got a connection to Phil Foden's they... debut than Rodri. Put it that way. Sure. By a long way, it's not even close. It's not, that's not to say I'm not excited by Rodri, but it is a good feeling, and you want to see these young players show that actually, like people presume footballers are on a linear progression, but they're not. Like they'll get better or worse depending on the circumstances around them. And a lot of these footballers that don't get a chance, or they'll they'll use the fact that they struggle on loan at Vitesse as proof that they're not good enough. Like Harry Kane had several loans, you know, and a lot of them underwhelmed before he mm. got his chance. Footballers need a chance, and if they're that talented, some of these will actually float to the top if they get you know given a little bit of faith. And I, I, as a football fan. I quite like what Chelsea are going through this year because I like the fact that they're going to give the likes of... They could play a game with um, Tamori and Christian at centre-back, two academy players. Reese James maybe at right-back or midfield, so that's three all of a sudden. Then you could have Mason Mount, you could have Tammy Abraham, Hudson Adoy, Loftus-Cheek. Yeah. Mm. That would be absolutely brilliant for academy football in England, and I feel genuinely passionate about that. And if, if Chelsea... like I don't want my rivals to do well, but if Chelsea had a good season using a lot of the academy things, I think that'd be fantastic as a City fan to prove that these academy players can get chances and can be reliable. Uh, and I think for them, top six this season would be, they'd be happy with that. I think that would be a success yeah. because oh, the what, circumstances, yeah. What about on a national team point of view? Let's presume, you know, we're talking about England here. The three Lions, Gareth Southgate, you know, he's got a young goalkeeper at Sheffield United in Dean Henderson who looks like he could be one for the future. He looks like a good Angus Gunn was good against Liverpool as well. <clears throat> Angus Gunn was good against Liverpool. Obviously, Southampton losing 2-1 to Liverpool, which we might touch on in a second. But hudson Adoy, Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount, Phil Foden. Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho. Tammy, Madison, Abra- Jammy, like, Tammy Abraham. This is, Hamza this is exciting. Sean Longstaff. Wambi Saka, you know. But yeah, let's not forget them. Joshua King. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal as well, like Willock. Maitland Niles, Reese Nelson, all getting and plenty of games. Even like, the other home nations, Wales, Harry Wilson, uh, David Brooks, both at Bournemouth at the moment. Nathan yeah. Ampadu. Ethan Ampadu, yeah. Ethan, sorry. He's, he's, um, he looks like a good, exciting young player. So I think the home nations are well served. It's weird given how much money was spent, that, but this season started with loads of academy players playing. Mm. It's, it's good, though. It's like, yeah, it's it is good and it's it's fun because it is the shock of the new and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, um, long may it continue. I know Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool is very keen to bring through some of the young players. He's put a lot of faith in. In youngsters like Kiana Hoiver and there's uh, also Rian Brewster who's another one who's tipped to come through and do well mm-hmm. but will Liverpool 
regret not spending any money in the summer. They've won their two games so far. They've won them 4-1 against Norwich City on the opening Friday of the Premier League season. They beat Southampton by two goals to one this weekend. They've got six points from six. They are top of the Premier League at the moment. But will maybe they start to regret not spending any money? I know it's too soon to say, but we've got to put the question out there. They spent nothing in summer. Yes. <laughs> straight, the Manchester City fan is straight in there. Of course he is. <laughs> this is based on football, not Manchester. Being a Manchester City fan, always refresh the squad, always improve the squad. Never what? let. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. I think you should invest when you're at your strongest. Yeah. And they just won the Champions League. Players would have loved to have gone to Liverpool to have worked under Jurgen Klopp, to have been teammates with Firmino and Mane and Salah. And I think that was the time to really flex your muscle, whether they had restrictions on them from, you know, the Allison signing, the Fabino signing, Kaita. you know, the Kaita signing, yeah. even the Shakiri signing. He came for £12 million, but that's, you know, you could get a decent young Van player Dijk for that we money. mentioned as well. Like, well, yeah. yeah, so... I think maybe those restrictions were sort of enforced on them and they couldn't invest necessarily what they would have liked to. I think the big problem for them is is their defence looks a bit shaky. Yeah, that's the in thing, the isn't it? In a couple of games. To say that they kept it, you know, they've won those two games, people still carved out chances against them. And I think at Norwich this moment did. In Norwich time, did, as we said before, they did on the first they're day. They're a dangerous team, Norwich, especially that team of <laughs> he, he knows where the goal is. talk about him a bit. Again, deja vu. <laughs> but I think, I think Klopp just doesn't know who the best partner for Van Dijk is at the moment I think Van Dijk is without a doubt you know I know I have a, a big Emerick Laporte fan sat no, next no, no. to me but I think Van Dijk yeah. is, is the best centre back in the league but he needs a good partner next to him and I think Matip looks a bit shaky Gomez is in and out a bit Lovren for all his claims to be the best defender <laughs> in the Lovren. world is still yeah Dejan Lovren so I think he needs to make a decision on who that centre-back will be and let them have a partnership. And I think the same sort of goes for Manchester City. I don't think Pep sort of decided who Laporte's best partner is, whether it's Otamendi or Stones at this point in time. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. once those two decisions are made and as you know, partnerships can firm up, I hope we will see Liverpool be a bit stronger and they'll be a bit more of a title race again. What about their opponents, Southampton? I think everyone's saying they've got a decent manager in Ralph Hasenhurtl. Yeah. Um, but from what we've seen so far, they lost 3-0 to Burnley on the first day of the season, and they've lost 2-1 to Liverpool. They, I, they, they were genuinely good. Like, I think Liverpool's, it was the, really like the first spell of attacking they had, really, when they got that goal. You know, Mane, obviously, it was going to be him who scored it. And, but, like, at Southampton, like, they're a decent team. They'll have spells where they, they win a few games, and they'll have spells where they lose a few games. I think they'll be okay um, in general. Uh, they did have a genuinely... Uh, decent game against Liverpool and if they finished at the end Danny Ings could have scored an equal right in the last minute um, I know it was a fluky goal uh, for theirs but it's a world class finish <laughs> <world-class> finish. <laughs> finish. finish that's the thing by the way Adrian could you know, he could make a mistake <laughs> at some point I think Southampton to be alright though won't they I think they'll be okay Southampton should be fine I think yeah. um, they have I think Shea Adams once he gets into his groove will be a good signing yeah. I think the, the choice of strikers that they have with Danny Ings as well and then Nathan Redmond can play up there and, yeah. and he's decent he's just signed a new contract as well so mm. I think that you know Angus Gunn we touched on earlier he's a good young goalkeeper Um there's probably some question marks about the defenders in front of them um, Yannick Vestergaard for all his size and he's a big unit <laughs> just doesn't seem to to know what he's doing so they signed a, a, a young defender on loan um, right right after the transfer window closed for about six hours so um, 
I think once they bed these players in, maybe they'll be a bit better. And he's he's another one that's willing to put the youth in. Valerie yeah, yeah. Um, is one, and, and he's, he's willing to, to let them come through and, and give themselves a good account of themselves. So um, I think they'll be all right. It's just another team that's going to be better than Newcastle. <laughs> and there's going to be 19 of them. Right then, before we leave Premier League Daily for another day, we said at the start of the podcast we were going to think of which football club in the Premier League has got the worst celebrity supporters. This comes after Jeremy Clarkson has been tweeting a lot about football lately. The man, of course, most famous for Top Gear and punching producers in the jaw. Um, <laughs> he's been tweeting about how James Madison had a stupid haircut and therefore should have scored his one-on-one uh, with Kepper in the Chelsea versus Leicester game. He also made a comment the other day saying that the the more extravagant haircut footballers had, the shitter they are. Yadar. Um, Big on Yadar. Yadar sort of banter, yeah, 100%. So we thought, for a laugh, why not come up with some of the uh, worst celebrity supporters for football clubs, and there are a few knocking around out there. Um, the club I'm going for, I'll kick things off, West Ham. Go on, who have they got then? Ray Winston. <laughs> Danny right. Dyer. I mean, these are all great so far. So. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I thought we'd go for the worst. <laughs> if you're yeah. talking about, like, cliche... Frodo boy, Baggins. West Ham boys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the lads from Green Street. Yeah, yeah Green nice. Street. Yeah, Frodo, um, man. Russell Brand yeah, okay, is a enough. West Ham United fan. And he's a bit. He can be a bit. See, my laptop's gone flat, so my list I had has disappeared. Oh, um, that old. I think. I think the work. I'm going to put it out there, and it's Arsenal, Arsenal. and not just because of DT. (laughs) Arsenal fans. They have not just the worst celebrity football fan. Not just the worst celebrity, but probably the worst person in the world. Hitler was an Arsenal fan. Close. Piers Morgan oh, um, is an Arsenal fan, of course, and so I would probably put him right up there as the worst celebrity football fan. Newcastle have our fair share of terrible uh, supporters. We have Tony Blair and then Burnley. No, a Tony war criminal. Blair and then, is a Newcastle fan. <laughs> and then Burnley have uh, Alistair, uh, Alistair Campbell. So, you know, fair share of... Well, David Cameron's an Aston Villa fan, isn't he? So we've is, just got So like, is Prince William. I don't know. So is Tom Hanks. We've got Johnny Marr. Um, Gallagher's. Curly Watts, uh, the Gallagher's. Uh, we've done a bunch Yourself? of like, nobodies. I think clubs. Johnny Marr's cool. Though. Johnny Marr's pretty cool. Yeah, good luck. I think to, with respect, Probably Manchester United Bolt. have some cool fans. Go I on think then. Usain Bolt's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Stormzy's pretty cool. Richard Ashcroft is a United. Well, yeah. Dave, the guys from um, Stone Roses. <laughs> Stone Roses. So I think. But then they've also got which massively cancelled Mick Hucknall and um, Eamon. <laughs> a- 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 what's his Eamon Holmes. Eamon Holmes. That's the one. Yeah. yeah so that so really does bring it out. The smooth. Don't talk about gross bad fans, talk about net bad fans. <laughs> net bad fans. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any famous celebrity fans of your club that you want us to know about that you think probably should take the mantle uh, of the trophy of the worst celebrity fan? We don't want to disrespect too many people here, just in case they might actually be listening to Premier League Daily. Come on and defend yourselves. I think dead come, and def- right. <laughs> come and defend your club. Come on the show and let us know why your celebrity supporters are the best. Give us reasons why at the Sports Social on Twitter. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show so you never miss another episode seven days a week. During the week, we'll be going through all the big talking points every single day of the Premier League season. So make sure you do subscribe. You won't ever miss an episode. It will drop straight into your inbox. Leave us a nice little review as well if you're listening on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. All right, before you go, though, Johnny, uh, we always play a game. It's a tradition on the Premier League Daily podcast that anyone who's sort of making their debut or new into the fold here at the Sports Social takes part in our game called Shuffield Wednesday. <laughs> Great Ooh. name. 
Oh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I would side with the name. I've not done this yet either. I want to you go. playing? Yeah. Why not? Oh, okay, we'll have, a little, we'll have a little battle. Manchester Actually, City against Newcastle. Have you said that? I don't even know what the game is way. yet. So. Okay. Well, let's explain <laughs> what the game is. my application. You get 30 seconds. There is a timer. You will be able to hear the timer. You will be under pressure. I will give you each a letter one by one. So I'll give you a letter first, Johnny. It might be, let's just say Z. And you need to think of as many <laughs> Premier League players, past or give present, that begin with the surname Z. So I'm oh thinking Zaha. I'm thinking Amir Zaki. I'm thinking players like that. Zola. Because I can't free, think of any more. So that's why you're not getting Z. Zuniga. So you, you understand Zucora. the game, right? So that's, yes. that's what the game's going to be. It's called Sheffield Wednesday. So get ready. Get your thinking caps on. I'll go Johnny first, and then we'll go to Stephen McInerney. I'll be the judge of whether these names are accurate or not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how badly right. we can get it. I'll, I'll let Google be because the judge. you can't be just go. For instance, if I gave you C, you can't just go. Campbell. Sol Campbell, Fraser Campbell, blah blah blah. That's not that's not allowed. Okay. Jamal Campbell not, Rice. Smith. You can't have ten Smiths. Well, that doesn't all, give you ten points. Well, I just ignore C. It's and surnames. C. Surnames only. Right. Got it. Oh, yes. Stevens wants VAR that's on these namist. rules already. He's not happy. Like, he's come, rule Stevens complaining technology in, in Sheffield Wednesday. We haven't got to that stage of the uh, of, of Sheffield Wednesday just yet. Right. Johnny, are you ready? Yes. Born ready. Okay. <laughs> Johnny Sharples, Sheffield Wednesday. Your letter is B. Leon Best. <laughs> Very good. Oh, my. Uh, Khaled Boularouz. <laughs> Where's that come from? Oh no, that's two. Oh my word, it's really difficult. Try another one. Ali Benabia. That's three. <laughs> Darren Ben. Yes, four. Uh, oh my word. Come on, Johnny. Steve run... Bruce. Yes, good. Oh, of course, Bruce. <laughs> You're running out of time. Oh, I'm I'm running out of everything. Oh. Oh, oh here's, here's a B for you. you bottled it. Yeah. Oh, Alan Boxich. Oh, it's too late. The dong's gone, Johnny. The do- too late. The dong's of, gone. Of all the people, Story Ali Benabia. So, Khalid Boularouz as well. That was a bell. Chelsea's greatest number nine. Khalid Boularouz. I've not heard that for ages. Um, Johnny Sharples five. Newcastle United have scored five goals. Well, it depends what letter I give. Yeah, yeah. I don't freeze that. I'm not going to give you X. Javier. I'll give I'll give you a reasonably decent. Abel Xavier. Stephen McInerney, Sheffield Wednesday. Johnny Sharples, five to beat. Not going to be difficult. Stephen, your letter is? D. Uh, D on Dublin. Um, Double D. One. Uh, oh, it is hard. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. Uh, uh, Dodonka. Yes. Um, Two. Lee Dixon. Good. Um, why is this so hard? <laughs> Come on, Sam. Um, I've forgotten. Like, it's on, uh, you're on three. You need another two to draw. Just, uh, I've totally forgotten. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Johnny's you're right. I've bottled it. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. I actually bottled it. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. You could have had Deco. You could have had... Jekko, yeah. like Jekko. Um, you could have had Michael Dubry. You could have had, <laughs> had Michael Dubry. That's like when anyone. Newcastle beat Man City last season. That's unbelievable. I can't believe how much I bottled that. You lost. 5-3. Congrats, Newcastle United. Perhaps the only victory over Manchester City we'll see this season. Perhaps the only victory we will see this season. (laughs) You know what? I I gave it big as well and I've absolutely... I've made a tip myself. You did. Apologies needed, I think. Yeah, I'm sorry, Johnny. Went in with a double D with Dion Dublin. I was worried then. Yeah, that should be two points, actually. (laughs) No, sorry, it was 5-4 to me. (laughs) (laughs) Still lost. Thank you very much, Johnny Sharples. Thank Thank you very much, Stephen McInerney. This has been Premier League Daily. I've been Nile McCall. Make sure you subscribe and don't forget to enable our sports social. 
social skill. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social for daily Premier League updates on your club. All 20 teams will be giving you a daily update, so make sure you don't miss those. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social. You also get Premier League match previews and match reports too, so make sure you do that, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. I love my club. Every match, the manager, every player who's pulled down the shirt. Don't just talk to me about football. Talk to me about my one and only. I love my club, but I don't love them up the road. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only. With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team.